There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of WCN-TV. Today is Tuesday, March, uh, March, May 10th, 2022. Sometimes it seems like March. Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, we're going to have a pretty good uh, uh, relevant program for you today because I'm pretty sure that all of us watching today know, at least intellectually, that Satan is real and his demons are real. But do we really understand the true nature of Satan, where he is now, what he's been up to, and the power that we have as Christ followers over him? Even many unbelievers in Christ do believe in things like angels, especially the New Agers. They love to imagine angels all around them, but they deny the existence of Satan or demonic forces. They believe that everything is all goodness and light. But we should instinctively know that that's not true just by looking around at the state of the world today. 1 Peter 5.8 tells us to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We also know from 1 John 3.8 that the reason Jesus came to earth was to destroy the works of the devil. 2 Corinthians 11.14 warns us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And I should remind you of Ephesians 6.12 where we read, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you know that seven out of 28 chapters in Matthew's gospel have some reference to demonic activity? Seven out of 16 chapters in Mark's gospel have some reference to demonic activity. And 8 out of 24 chapters in Luke have some reference to demonic activity. So this means that nearly one-third of the Gospels that give us information on Jesus' ministry have to do with demonic activity. Well, today we're going to be learning about the enemy of our souls with our special guest, Dr. Bruce Becker. Because when we know our enemy, when we know the power we have in Christ, we'll understand what terrifies him which is the authority we have in Jesus. Dr. Becker lives right here in Wisconsin, which is kind of unusual. We haven't had a Wisconsin guest here in a long time, but we're going to be talking about his book entitled Give Satan the Credit He is Due. The book is subtitled It's Time to Take Satan Seriously. Indeed it is. Dr. Becker is a church consultant, a widely sought-after public speaker and author, and his doctorate is in leadership and ministry management. His areas of expertise include Bible theology, leadership development, and Bible prophecy, among other things. You can learn more about Dr. Becker's ministry at his website, timeofgrace.org. So, Dr. Becker, welcome to our program today, and thanks for coming in. Well, thanks for having me. It's a real privilege to to be here today. So, um, I did not have the chance to, to read your book. Um, but I do have the table of contents here, and we're going to kind of go through things. But start, let's start, at us, start us off by just kind of telling us who is Satan, where did he come from, and where is he right now? 
Well, the Bible tells us that Satan uh, started out as a holy angel. Uh, Peter tells us that uh, he uh, sinned and uh, God did not put up with it. Uh, there's some other clues in the, in the Bible about how this happened. Uh, Book of Jude, verse 6, talks about uh, not holding on or accepting his position of authority. And so he rebelled uh, against God. Um, originally created by God as a good angel, a holy angel, but uh, he turned away on his own. Um, there's a couple of uh, prophecies in the Old Testament that really give us, they're interesting because they really are a prophecy both for the present time, but then also uh, for um, a later time. And so the first one is on Isaiah chapter 14, where there's this description of um, the morning star. And uh, it's really addressed to the king of Babylon and some of the judgment that's going to come on to uh, come upon uh, him. But um, uh, you read through this uh, section uh, after where you learn that he's the morning star and you're going, oh, wow. He was, uh, he's described as wanting to ascend to the, to the clouds, wanting to ascend to the throne of the Lord. Uh, so it gives, I think, some insight into who Satan was and what his mindset and, and what his reason for doing what he, uh, what, he, what he did. And then the other one is in um, Ezekiel 28, where it's a prophecy against the king of Tyre. Uh, but in this one, uh, it uh, talks about uh, this uh, person, this entity, being blameless from the beginning, but then uh, becoming uh, wicked and finding wickedness in his, in his heart. So although these are prophecies about a king of Babylon and a king of Tyre, uh, they really give us some insight into who's behind the evil king of Babylon and the evil king of Tyre. It is Satan himself. Well, uh, chapter one of your book is entitled Satan is the Evil One. Maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. It goes back to the, uh, to the, uh, to the Ezekiel uh, passage where he is found to have evil inside of, inside of him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us everything we want to know. Uh, God chooses to tell us what we need to know. But what did that, um, you know, where did evil come from? Uh, and it appears from what the Bible does tell us is, is that Satan is uh, the source, uh, the source of evil. And then everything that he does can be characterized uh, by that four-letter word evil okay and so where is he right now he's here he's in the invisible world in the world that we can't see but he is real uh and he is here and he has his demons the other uh angels that fell away that rebelled and they are here carrying out what they think they ought to be doing and um, does he have access to heaven, to the throne room? Well, that's an interesting uh, question. I, I know there are a lot of mysteries here that we're probably not going to solve today. But... No, we aren't because uh, you're right. I think we get some insight, though, into uh, the book of Job and the first mm -hmm. two chapters, where it appears that the Lord meets with his uh, angel armies, and one day Satan shows up and Satan shows up and he's starting to question God. So you think, you know, we think about heaven, the throne room as a physical place, not necessarily, uh, you know, God is a spirit. Um, is this, this is this invisible world. Uh, I had a seminary prof once say that it's it's like it's it's right here, and if you could just pull the shade up on the window, you would see heaven and hell. You would see uh, the Lord. You would see Satan. But we are not permitted to to, to see that. Uh, we live in the visible world. Satan uh, lives in the invisible. But at least in the time of Job, uh, he did show up 
uh, before the Lord uh, in the Lord's throne. Yeah, our, our friend, uh, Coach Dave uh, Daubenmeyer, describes it kind of like a uh, like an aquarium. You've got all these fish in this aquarium, and to them, that's their whole world. That's all they know. But we can peer into it. We can see into it. But they can't see us. Um, so it's, uh, it is kind of like a, uh, the spiritual realm is all around us. It's, it's just as real as anything. We just, we just can't see it. Yeah, I really but, like that analogy. I like that. Yeah, but that, that doesn't mean that um, that spiritual realm doesn't have any effect on, uh, on our physical activities here on earth, does it? So, Dr. Becker, why do so many Christians dismiss the very real and tangible presence and influence of Satan? Yeah, I've thought about that uh, that a lot. I, I think there are, are several uh, reasons for, multiple reasons, I should say. Uh, people have different reasons for why they don't take Satan seriously or even accept him as being a real entity. Uh, I remember a, a survey that I think Barna did back in 2009, and only 35% of the people who uh, profess themselves to be Christians believe that Satan is a real entity. I don't know if that's true today or not. There haven't been a lot of other surveys surveys done, but that's when I started to get thinking about this. And I go, people aren't taking Satan serious seriously, and they need to because he is re- uh, he is real. I think possibly also uh, people, if there is truly a Satan, then there's a hell, and then there's a God. And then there's a heaven, and my life might be in jeopardy, or my eternal life might be in jeopardy. So out of out of you know out of sight, out of mind. So I don't want to think about it because if it is real, I might be in trouble. Yeah, there are consequences, aren't there? So um, it's it's just uh, interesting me to me that. Uh, more pastors don't don't teach and preach on the reality of the spiritual warfare because that's really what we're dealing with. We see all this stuff happening in the world today, and people are trying to fix things with political solutions, but there are no political solutions. It's It's got to be a spiritual solution to the problems that we're dealing with. I think another... We, we see these demonically influenced people, and I could name the names. We all know who they are. Um, they seem to be pure evil, and they're influenced by something. Um, I believe they're they're demonic. I was going to say that uh, supernatural skepticism is another reason we're so logical and a kind of people that uh, believing that there's something supernatural out there, you know, isn't intellectually uh, you know strong. It's that's a weakness if you think that you think that. So I think that's a that's probably the other reason that uh, people are not uh, recognizing Satan as a real entity, uh, and why uh, pastors some pastors don't speak about Satan or preach about him or uh, teach their people about him. Uh, I don't I don't really have the answer uh, to that. If you believe the Bible, um, Jesus said that Satan was real. Uh, called him the father of lies. Uh, so if we don't believe what Jesus believed and saw, you know, uh, we got to question that. Well, and we know that he even tempted Jesus himself. So um, it's right there in scripture. Um, so what is Satan's mission here on earth? What's, what, what, is, what is his purpose? What is his goal? What's he, what's he doing? I think very simply, it is to attack and destroy those who are followers of Jesus. Those who aren't followers of Jesus, he doesn't have to worry about. Uh, there are really only, there are two armies. There are two camps. There is, are those who follow Jesus and there are those who follow Satan. And uh, the ones who follow Satan have rejected uh, Jesus. They don't believe in him. They don't trust in him. Uh, they don't care what the Bible says about him, and so um, you have you have these two these two groups, um, and it's really uh, 
he wants to take down those who follow Jesus. Just as you mentioned, he tried to take down Jesus with the temptations in the wilderness at the start of his ministry. So, yeah, I mean, um, number number two, chapter number two of your book is is called Satan is Your Number One Enemy. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what's contained in there. Well, there are there are human enemies uh, that uh, we we face, whether it's individually or uh, as a country. Uh, but this is a spiritual enemy. Our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world, and that's and that's Satan. Uh, he's not a friend. He's that never has our best interest at heart. He's always looking for ways to take us down and take us out. And that makes him the, the greatest enemy that we that we face in our in our lives. And probably even greater because we don't know much about him and we don't really study and we don't, you know, we're not taught in our churches how to respond, what to do. We don't realize that we have already won this battle, um, even though we're we're still wearing a target on our backs, um, but uh, but we do have power, don't we? Yes, we do. You know, and another thing is we don't always know how he's operating because he operates in the invisible, the spiritual world. Uh, and so we, he, he doesn't come to us and say, hey, hi, I'm Satan. I'm here to tempt you today. He doesn't operate that way. Yep, yep. So. Um... So what are some of the ways he attacks people? Now, I know that he attacks Christians because we are his number one target. But he also attacks unbelievers, doesn't he? I've seen a lot of unbelievers who really seem to be demonically possessed or influenced in, at least. So what, what about that? What, what's happening there? Yeah, identifying the, uh, the, I believe there's multiple sources of, of the demonic activity and the expression of it in people's lives. Certainly Satan is at work, but we also have within us a, a, a sinful uh, nature. We have sinful desires that are in conflict uh, with uh, the spiritual uh, desires to serve, uh, to serve the, the, the Lord. But there's also uh, environmental. For example, let's say a person grows up with an abusive father, and then that person uh, carries that with them. It's it's in their heart, it's in their soul, and and they exhibit much of the same kind of uh, evil uh, activity as they as they grow up, and they it goes from one generation to the other. In the end, Satan is the face of evil, and he is behind everything that isn't uh, Christ. Uh, again, it goes back to there's only two camps. Uh, and Satan uh, will uh, use that to, uh, for, for example, let me, let me just say this, that the growth of Satanism is an indication that he is working uh, strongly among people uh, who are not Christians. Uh, because the the growth is there and the occult is there, uh, it's always been around, but there just seems to be uh, so much more. Well, as long as you did, as long as you mentioned Satanism and the occult, um, I I have to wonder what is the attraction to that um, for people who would reject Christ, reject. Um, reject truth and choose instead satanism they're actually i mean they're they're still you know saying that they wouldn't worship anything yet they're worshiping mm-hmm. satan which is a created being why not worship the creator i don't remember the passage or where to find it but it talks about satan blinding the eyes of the unbeliever from seeing the truth and so he's active in keeping people blind. Uh, they they can't they can't see they can't see where they're at. They can't see how to get out of it. They can't see a better better way because Satan has blinded them. 
Yep, I'm still not seeing the uh, the attraction. <laughs> I guess <Yeah. laughs> I don't see what they uh, what they get out of that. But um, obviously, a lot of it has to do with um, a lot of it has to do with pride, rebellion, things of that nature. Um, things that appeal to our our lowest common denominators or you know, our lowest basic instincts, I suppose. So. In uh, Paul's letter to Titus, he had uh, talked about not having someone who is new to the Christian faith uh, to become a leader so that they don't fall into the same sin that Satan exhibited, which was conceit. Uh, whether that's conceit or pride, uh, that I can I can be the the, the greatest in uh, if I'm aligning myself with the occult uh, because I, I I'm doing what I want to do. Oh, and thanks for putting that up. Second Corinthians four, yes. Okay, so Second Corinthians four four, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I think there he's specifically speaking to the, to the false teachers uh-huh. uh, that, were, um, that were existing in, in the first century. Okay. All right. Well, how much power does, uh, does the uh, enemy really have over Christians? I think we go back to Job 1 and 2 again. Uh, because uh, Satan could not do anything to Job uh, except what God allowed him to do. Uh, God said, you can't touch him. And then in chapter two, Satan comes back and God says, okay, uh, you can't kill him, uh, but you can cause him cause him suffering. Uh, so uh, the simple answer, I think, is, is that God is still the one in control of all of creation. And he is in control also of, of Satan, that Satan cannot do everything that he would, would like to do. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. So um, I, I, I'm sure that uh, a lot of our viewers would like to know, um, does Satan have the power to possess human beings? I've seen a lot of scary movies about that out there. Um, what, what's what's the real deal on that? Well, in Jesus' day, uh, he possessed a lot of different people. Uh, what I think is interesting is, is that in the Old Testament, uh, we don't hear about, not that there wasn't, uh, a lot of demon possession. There seemed to have been a lot more sorcery. You know, you think of Pharaoh's sorcerers, and they were able to duplicate some of the first uh, plagues that uh, Moses uh, had called out. Uh, got the witch of Endor at the, the time of uh, King, King Saul. But when you get to Jesus' day, uh, this the demon possession and uh, the, all the, the demons, and then they go into the pigs, and the pigs go off the cliff. This was This was something that really seemed to focus in on Jesus' ministry. Uh, and then when we get farther into the New Testament, uh, it seems like it subsides a bit. And uh, I don't know, I don't know for sure, but one thing is is that you uh, read earlier the passage from First John, which talks about the reason Jesus came to this earth was to destroy the devil's work. And he destroyed it with his perfect life and his death on Calvary's cross and his resurrection on Easter morning. And he defeated Satan. Now, is the result of that that Satan uh, was uh, not allowed to con- continue uh, the way he was doing things? I don't. I don't know. But it's something that I've I've pondered. Yeah, I would say he's still out there doing what he's always done, at least for now. Yeah, they, uh, there's so much so much evidence. I've I've seen it uh, in. My, my, personally, myself, of people who just seem to be controlled. And, and, and really, demon possession is about you have a spirit within you, uh, one that is following not Christ, but one that is following uh, Satan. On the other hand, I don't uh, know if the Bible ever talks about 
Satan having the ability to demon possess somebody who is a follower of Jesus. Uh, the Bible just, I think, is silent is silent on that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you know the way I the way I see things. Um, we're talking about the spiritual realm and the physical realm. God and Satan, God and the angels, God and God and the angels and Satan and the demons are on in the spiritual realm, and in order to affect things in the physical realm, they need to do that through people. Um, when God sent His Son into the world, He had to become a human being. He had to do that as a person. Um, when God works today, um, obviously he can do anything he wants, but oftentimes he does that through people. Um, and it seems like the, the same holds true with, uh, with our enemy. He, he does his work through people. Am I right, or am I? I, off, I would certainly uh, off agree with that because he doesn't normally, you know, show up directly physically, uh, but he's there and he's exercising influence and power uh, over over people. Yeah, it just seems that um, uh, being in the spirit world in order to affect the physical world, you got to do that through um, a physical body of some sort. So. Um, well, since uh, since Satan is not omnipresent and can't be everywhere at once, he employs demons. How do these demons influence human behavior and human beings? What about their power? Tell us, maybe you can tell us about their power structure and what they do. Well, the the angels who um, rebelled and went with Satan uh, are. Uh, many in number, uh, if uh, the Revelation passage talks about a third of them being swept out of heaven along with Satan and cast down to the down to the earth. The fact that Satan does his work and his demons on this earth ought to have us uh, pause and be and, and be on guard uh, because they are walking around looking who they can 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 devour. Satan and the demons. Um, I don't believe the Bible ever says that they can uh, read minds like God can read minds and and hearts, but they can observe actions. And so they know uh, what our weaknesses are uh, by observing us. And Satan likes to use our weaknesses in order to try to lead us away from the spiritual life into the unspiritual life. And he knows, he seems to know just exactly what area to to zero in on in order to get us, doesn't he? Yeah, I think of Judas Iscariot. Uh, he really did a one-two punch on Judas. He knew that Judas was greedy and wanted to get some coin. And so he tempts him, he leads him to say, hey, you can get yourself 30 pieces of silver just by betraying Jesus. And then after he betrays Jesus, he comes with that left hook, which says, you betrayed the son of God. He's not going to forgive you. You are a horrible person. And what did he do? He went out and hanged himself. Mm-hmm. And there again, another mystery that we, we, we I guess we're, we're not going to know for a while what uh, Judas's uh, eventual end was, will we? Um, we're about uh, about at the uh, halfway mark. Anyone in the studio audience have any questions that you'd like to ac- ask uh, Dr. Becker? Any comments? Now is your chance. I got one, Rob. Okay. Welcome, Harry. Where did the demons come from? Satan can't create, so where did they come from? The de- As I said earlier, the demons were part of the uh, Holy Angel Corps. Uh, that God created them. Uh, we know that uh, they were in existence uh, uh, sometime in, in the first six days of, of cre- creation. 
uh, because they are, we're told uh, that they shouted for joy at the creation, uh, at, at God's cre creation. Uh, but then Satan um, usurped uh, authority that wasn't his. And as a result, uh, he and those who followed him uh, were cast out, of, cast out of heaven down to the earth. Okay, but scripture says that those angels are reserved under, in chains, reserved under judgment, in chains, bound. So where did the demons come from? I'm, can, you, can you repeat the, the question? I'm not sure I'm, I'm understanding it correctly. Okay, the question basically is where did the demons come from? People say that they were the fallen angels, but the fallen angels that were cast out of heaven are, reserved in, are in chains, reserved under judgment bound they're separate from the demons so where did the demons come from you're talking about the demons that uh, like in jesus day the the demons that possessed people yes and i assume the i assume the, the demons that are everywhere around us today yes so well, the, de the demons are the result of Satan and the evil angel's activity. Uh, the evil angel or the devil is, you know, uh, bound with a chain uh, uh, in the abyss. Uh, Revelation 20 tells us that. Yet Satan walks around the, the earth. Uh, so the, the chain isn't a chain made out of steel or titanium, uh, but it is a chain that... Uh, God has put up, put upon him and put upon the put upon the evil angels. Hmm? He didn't say he did it to Satan. No. What was that, Harry? I'm sorry, Rob. What? Well, I, I didn't catch that. What was that? Oh, I, I'm sorry. My wife was talking to me. It picked up. Oh, okay. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't think it said that he bound Satan. It said the fallen angels. We're bound and reserved. Do you have a scripture on that? Why don't we just look that up quick? I can't look up something that I don't know that's uh, even in the Bible. Oh, okay. Revelation 12. Revelation 12. And which verse? Verse 4. Uh, verse 4. And then at the end, down. Satan is bound and cast. But that's at the at the final. Yeah. The final judgment, the end of everything. That's not today. Yeah, that is, uh, the, you know, like I said, we're not going to figure this all out today. But, no, we're not. <laughs> we're going to try to sh shed some light on it. So, so uh, Dr. Becker. Because Satan masquerades as an angel of light, how can Christians discern when something is really demonic? Yeah, Paul how, covered how can, that. How can anyone, um, you know, obviously Christians have the Holy Spirit and they can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. But um, maybe I should ask, um, how can even unbelievers discern when something is evil? something is demonic when it appears to them as as something beautiful again they're blinded uh, by satan uh when uh, when paul wrote that about masquerading that satan masquerades as an angel of light he was specifically speaking about the false teachers and they masquerade as uh apostles of of, of christ uh disciples of christ and so you have this contrast again between those who follow Christ and his word and those who don't. And so the way to determine this, to discern it, and even then a non-Christian can discern this. This isn't part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, so therefore, it is someone following Satan. And you don't have to be a Christian to be able to see the difference between good and, and evil, between grace and untruth. Yeah, but it is it is much easier when you have the Holy Spirit, <laughs> isn't it? Oh, ab absolutely, because 
you know, you think of what Paul uh, said in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter, chapter six, where he paints this beautiful picture of, you know, we're at war and we're soldiers and we need to, to take up the breastplate of, of righteousness and the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which he ends that section is the word of God. And so the word of God is the weapon we use uh, to discern, is this Satan or is this Christ? Okay. Well, folks, we're talking with Dr. Bruce Becker. Um, his website is timeofgrace.org. And his book is uh, Give Satan the Credit He Is Due, subtitled, It's Time to Take Satan Seriously. Um, let's see, there are one, two, three. Six chapters in this book. Um, Satan is the evil one. Satan is your number one enemy. Satan will attack you. Satan wants to scam you. Satan will tempt you. And Satan will accuse you. Um, Dr. Becker, I'm going to let you pick which uh, topic you want to hit hit on next. Well, let's uh, talk about uh, scamming. Uh, He's been doing this from the beginning. And already in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, uh, he comes to Eve and he says, you know, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and and evil. The whole thing was a scam. And he continues to operate that. And and so he, you know, whether it is our environment, our culture, things going around us, you know, how can a loving God let that happen? You know, that's a that's a scam. Uh, how can, how, why do you have to follow uh, what, what the Bible says and how, how you live um, and, and questioning and challenging and trying to lead us down a, a different path? But it all started in the, in the Garden of Eden. Yep. Uh, as far as those scams, I'm pretty sure he's the one behind those emails I get every day. So. <laughs> no doubt. I just got to delete, delete, delete. Uh, so I referenced before the um, uh, Pharaoh's uh, people, his wise men, his magicians. Uh, that was a scam until they couldn't go any further. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the first uh, three, I think. But then when it came to the fourth plague, they were unable to, uh, to do it. Uh, but they're always deceiving. I mean, Satan's name means deceiver. Uh, accuser, slanderer, those are all characteristics of, of, of Satan. And he wants to de- deceive us from believing the truth of our God. Well, and I think one of the, one of the worst things that he does to a Christian is um, destroy our understanding of the power that we, we do have in Christ as one of his children. Um, I don't believe that we are all God's children until we come to repentance and faith in Christ. Um, the Bible tells us that we are um, enemies of of God until we are, you know, believers. So, um, as as the uh, enemy tempts us and accuses us and puts guilt on our shoulders. Um, as that goes on, um, I think he's out there to, um, uh, destroy our witness and, um, destroy our effectiveness for the kingdom. What say you? That is what he is, uh, attempting to do. And when he rallies our culture, which appears from what I see to becoming more and more godless, more and more in line with him. He rallies those people to also then attack uh, Christians. And just the, some of the things that have changed in my lifetime and in the last 30 years about good and evil, right and wrong, uh, God's way versus man's way. Uh, it is, it is, we ought to be, we ought to be somewhat frightened because and give him the credit he's due but on the other hand he's already been defeated and we have all the power we need to resist him okay well 
you know, uh, the scripture tells us resist the devil and he will flee from you. But that uh, that is often easier said than done. So how do Christians actually resist the devil? What, uh, how, how do you do that? Yeah, it goes back to uh, Ephesians 6 and what Paul said. Uh, you pick up uh, the uh, sword of the spirit uh, and, and wield it against uh, Satan. And you've got your breastplate of righteousness that Jesus uh, brought for you to be a, a defensive uh, armor against his attacks. Uh, the shield of faith, which uh, can put out the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's just, I just love that section of scripture because it really focuses us in on how uh, we can resist Satan. Yeah, and, um, you know, I guess I guess for me it comes down to uh, defeating lies with truth, doesn't it? Right, because it's every lie has truth as a source uh, from the father of lies and the truth is God's truth. And that is the defense against uh, the lies of Satan. So, well, uh, Dr. Becker, maybe you can tell us so, uh, the good news. What, what power do we have as, as God's children once we become uh, one of God's children and receive the Holy Spirit? What power do we have? Um, that uh, uh, that the enemy can't counter. The power that we have is uh, in in Revelation. It talks about uh, the believers triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, and it's because of what Jesus did to wash away sin, to suffer the the punishment of God for sin, uh, that we become God's children and we are empowered. Uh, we are empowered to uh, both represent um, our Savior as his ambassadors, but also to uh, wield uh, the power of his, his word. Um, that's, that's how we, we, we fight against Satan, uh, because uh, we have it within us. It's been given to us by our, our God. And all we need to go back and, and just focus on the word of our God, the promises he makes for us. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Uh, all of those promises uh, remind us of the fact that we're not just some uh, chicken or wimp or uh, just hiding in the corner that Satan's going to come and get and come and get me. No, we've got the power of the spirit. Well, yeah, and it uh, it is it is the blood of the lamb, but it, it is also um, as long we're as long as we're quoting that scripture, the word of our testimony, um, and loving not our own lives even unto death. So it doesn't mean that we're we're not going to suffer here in this world. Uh, Jesus Himself said that in this world we're going to have tribulation, um, but. We also, once once we are walking with Christ, we have a testimony uh, that's powerful if we have the courage to speak it. Um, and then tell the good news, which is the blood of the Lamb. And then the final portion of that scripture is loving not our own lives even unto death. So um, there is that possibility, and we know um, all down through the centuries that there have been many uh, Christian martyrs, many people killed uh, for their faith. So it, it doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer any persecution. We will suffer persecution, uh, especially if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? And thanks for adding the, the rest of that verse from uh, Revelation 12. Uh, I only quoted the first part, so thank you. Well, I, th I think it's important because, it you know, the the... The easiest way, well, one of the one of the best ways I think to lead people to uh, to salvation in Christ is to share your testimony. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, people are so afraid to speak; they're afraid to even share their opinion on COVID. <laughs> you know, much less something with eternal significance. Um, we're talking about life, eternal life, and eternal death. And uh, people are afraid to speak their testimony of what, what Christ has done, done for them. So anybody else out there feel the same way, or am I out in left field here? 
I've never known you to be that far out in left field, Rob. Um, well, <laughs> you didn't know me in my in my younger days. Well, all of us have changed. I don't. I, I wouldn't even talk about my younger days. Oh, come on. <laughs> Not here. Yeah, no. That's probably a, that's probably a wise thing. See, God has given you wisdom, Harry. <laughs> yeah, that's from getting kicked a couple times. Yeah, yeah. So, just in the last couple of years, just in the last since, well, let's let's say since 2015, as an example, do you think Satan and his demons have stepped up their game a little bit, their activities on Earth? Uh, because um, I just think we're swimming in a soup bowl full of evil here. You look back yeah. over over history, every civilization, every um, you know countries, and you, you look back in the Old Testament and about the Assyrians, and just they were just pure evil and how they treated uh, uh, other people. But what's different today? I think from the Old Testament, even the New Testament, is Satan has more tools in his toolbox. And one of the tools in his toolbox today, it's been around for a hundred years, is technology. You know, before the radio, uh, you had the printing press, which was limited uh, in, in how it could convey messages. But then the radio came, and then television came. Uh, and you are using that medium, but Satan uses it too. Just watch some of the shows on, on, on television and what is being um, promoted, what is being uh, shown. Uh, and now we get to the internet and that has just opened up Satan's uh, toolbox into getting his kind of message out there, which then just... Uh, just kind of gets hate going and uh, resistance going and and people on on social media can say anything they want and they can just spew hate and it's nothing happens so i think uh that today yes he's upped his game because he has more tools in his toolbox so he's got more tools do you think he has less time I don't think uh, he has any desire to slow down. He's never going to retire. No, well, one day he's going to retire. Oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> Not there yet. Not there yet. So, yeah, it's uh it's it's been a we we've seen things in the last couple of years I never thought I'd see in my lifetime. I would agree. Um and uh, what, what is your, this is off topic, I suppose, a little bit, but not really. What is your take on the, um, the um, exponential growth of homosexuality and transgenderism? Now, that's, that's something fairly, fairly recent. I mean, 10 years ago, it was, it was there, but it wasn't in your face. I mean, you didn't have to. Uh, pridefully celebrate that or lose your job or go to jail, lose your business. Um, I, I'm seeing more persecution of good while evil seems to proliferate. And not just that example, but pretty much everywhere in every area of society. You touched on the whole uh, homosexual uh, agenda and that's the one when you said how quickly things have changed. I mean, back in the first term of uh, President Barack Obama, he was against it. By the second term, he is for it. And it has only been accelerating uh, quickly uh, since then. And then it has also then transitioned into the whole transgender area where we would never have talked about, uh, talked about this. Uh, 10 years ago out in out in public. So yes, these are evidences of Satan at work uh, to try to lead as many away from the, the truth of truth of our God. Yeah, I would say so. Um, and then, uh, you know, there, there are so many uh, 
lies and deceptions in the media, in uh, in all forms of media, even uh, TV commercials, even if you're watching uh, a program on HGTV and uh, and you on comes a uh, a commercial with uh, two homosexuals. And uh, it just seems to be uh, mainstreaming here in the in the culture. Um, I believe that is a uh, you know deliberately being done uh, grooming children, and I think children. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think children are probably one of Satan's most prized targets um, because it, they will change a generation. They will change a whole culture. Uh, if you are able to influence children from early on, then the next generation will be all as at least that far uh, removed from the from the truth of God, yeah. and then it just snowballs. Yeah. So, what is your uh, what is your take on the uh, the modern American church? Where are we at? Where do we stand? And where are we headed? Oh, that's a big question. Uh, <laughs> The American church, uh, on the one hand, you see this on the, uh, on the, in the culture of less and less people seeming to uh, accept Christianity as a, a viable religion, in, even in our country, in America. Yet within the churches, and I, I'm seeing it in the younger adults, who are taking positions which are more in line with uh, with the Bible, uh, one, one being the whole subject of abortion, uh, that younger adults have a more biblical view of uh, abortion uh, and life uh, than middle age and, and older adults, the, the boomers. So there's both positive and negative. So there's, there's stuff that gives me hope and there's stuff that just troubles me uh, greatly. Yeah, I mean, I do know some young people that are really, uh, really informed, and they they understand. And there are, there are other ones that uh, they're never going to stop the rebellion and their uh, self centeredness. And and um, again, it comes down to the influence of uh, of the enemy and and his demons. I think. Yes, indeed. He's behind everything that isn't godly. Yeah, yeah. So we have just a, a few minutes left. Why don't you take us through your website, Dr. Becker, if we can put that up on the screen and you can tell us what folks will find there. So this is the website of the ministry that I, where I serve. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's called Time of Grace. And we, the main areas of our ministry is a television program. Uh, then we also have video devotionals, uh, print devotionals, and then uh, podcasts. Those are our four main areas. Uh, each month we publish a, a book of, of some sort or a Bible study, uh, and we make that available to, uh, to our listeners and our viewers and our readers. Uh, the main speaker is right there, Pastor Mike Novotny. Uh, we record him every week, his message at his church in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, and then we broadcast it around, around the country on dozens and dozens of uh, different uh, uh, stations and networks. And what church is he with? Uh, it's called The Core. Uh, it's part of a, a larger group of called 922 Ministries. Uh, it has multiple campuses. And he is uh, at one of the campuses, the core, right in downtown uh, Appleton. Okay. Okay. And um, I think you you yourself do a podcast, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. It's There it is. It's called uh, Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker. And uh, the whole uh, focus of it is, is that, you know, the Bible is 66 books in length. Uh, you've got 700,000 words. Uh but there are threads that travel throughout the Bible. Uh, right now, I'm doing a, a series on true crimes, Bible edition, to look at you know, heinous crimes that were committed by people in the Bible, how God responded to it, and what we can learn from that. One of the first series I did was called The Grand Ands of the Bible, uh, taking a look at 
two words connected with and that appear repeatedly in the Bible, like grace and truth. Um, and so looking at how the word grace and truth uh, exists throughout the Bible, looking at all the different kind of uh, examples uh, of it. So it's, uh, it's to dig deeper into the, into the Bible uh, to see uh, how things are just remarkable of how uh, God has woven his truth uh, throughout the 66 books of Scripture. And it looks like they're all about uh, 20 minutes, 25 minutes or so in length. Yep, that's about how long. Okay. And why I don't, don't you, give, why I don't you give a synopsis of one of the uh, the trees? Uh, I think our audience would appreciate that. Well, I just uh, just finished doing one on David, uh, and David's crime were two, uh, both adultery and uh, and murder. And so I go through and, and talk about that and, and some of the things that led up to that, like uh, King David wasn't leading his armies into battle. Uh, he just sent uh, General Joab uh, to go fight. And whenever just General Joab went to fight, uh, they were not always victorious. But when David went to fight, uh, which God wanted him to be leading his army, uh, God blessed them with, with victory. And then the whole story of Bathsheba and, and, and Joab. And then the, the next one that's coming is going to look at the fallout, the consequences of David's crimes of adultery and, um, and murder, both in his own family and with people like uh, General Joab. And um, just occurred to me the, um, the concept of David going leading his, uh, his armies out to fight could and should be taken to heart by our pastors mm -hmm. uh, leading their people out to the streets as well, in my opinion. So, so you can find uh, Dr. Becker's uh, podcast. Can you subscribe to that? Does it, does it come automatically? Do you have to go daily and, and look for it? Or? Well, you can uh, subscribe to one of the podcast aggregators, you know, like. Um, oh. Okay, yep. Yeah, so you can subscribe there, and you'll get the the new one. Uh, probably the one David's going to be out tomorrow, or you can go to the website and just listen to uh, to, to one uh, that's there. And so you can listen right on your uh, tablet or on your on your computer. Okay, so it is at timeofgrace.org, timeofgrace.org. So. Any questions left from our audience before we call it a day here? All righty. Well, Dr. Becker, I'm going to give you the last word. Well, thanks very much for having me. And my encouragement is, is to realize that, that Satan is real. Uh, he is not your friend, uh, but you have every tool imaginable uh, to defend yourself against him and to uh, take the message of the gospel to people uh, in your community uh, and around your state. Yes, yeah, that's absolutely true. But you cannot teach what you don't know. So thank God for his word that we can go to on a daily basis and study and learn and grow. And it actually gives you courage to go out and do, you know, just reading his word. So I think we're all set for today. Um, I may or may not be here with you next week. It may be Dr. Mike and me next week, or it might just be Dr. Mike. But I will be back on May 31st. We have George Barna as our guest. Looking forward to that. Dr. Mike's going to hold down the fort for a couple of weeks here. But I might, uh, might be joining you next week also. But until then, uh, please share these programs. You can also share them from our Rumble page. If you go to Rumble, just to uh, search for WCN TV and you'll find all our programs there as well. Some people prefer watching it there, or you can find them all at WCNTV.net. So until next time, thank you and God bless, and we will see you uh, next Tuesday at 5 Central Time. Bye-bye.